Hello, this is producer and technical director Jack Rossiter-Munley. Welcome to an all-new episode of Poetry Spoken Here. Today we have another reading from the Unamuno Author Festival, which took place earlier this year in Madrid, Spain. This recording was made at Desperate Literature. The festival took place at several different spots across Madrid, but the hub of its activities was Desperate Literature, so if you're ever in Madrid, be sure to check them out. Today's reading is by Jenny Johnson. Her book, In Full Velvet, was published in 2017 by Saraband Books. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, New England Review, and Troubling the Line, Trans and Gender Queer Poetry and Poetics, among many others. She won a Whiting Award, as well as awards and scholarships from the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts, Yaddo, and Breadloaf Writers Conference. Please enjoy the poetry of Jenny Johnson. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Can people hear me outside? Yes. Okay, great. Uh, I'm going to begin with the poem that's in the anthology. It's entitled, Tale. I picture the shameful length of it, poking along behind me as I walk down Fifth Avenue, the odd sheen of it shimmering in shop windows. How, after too many beers, I lumber back into bed, its strangeness between my legs. But as the sun rises, the clean stretch, aesthetic vertebrae, how I might flex its elegant, careful weight, consider my newfound balance, how gracefully I ascend a flight of stairs, teetering on one leg, my rump poised just so, or how I might signal to my lover, wave fondly to her through the air, lift my fur to tickle her mouth, dash a small crumb off her lips in an alley, flashing my snowy underside like a switchblade, we'd sprint through underbrush. Had I a tail, I would be luminous and lingering as a comet who traces the starry night with a broken ellipses. As a kid, I remember the small green bubble inside the carpenter's level, how it would dart from corner to corner, and how good it felt to straddle the sawhorse out behind the shed, half tomboy, half centaur, how I clinched a two by four between my thigh bones, and it was part of me. A nest of yellow jackets rose from beneath the splinters, and forgetting how to move, how to cry, how to run, I let them sting and sting and sting 11 times, leaving swells on my arms, neck, legs, feet, and shoulders. O oh Lord of parts, O oh holy tool shed, when I rise from these sore bones, look what you've taken, what you've left me. And Jorge is going to share. Okay, I can't see him. I, can't I, got, see him. I got your back. Okay. <laughs> Cola. 
Me imaginé su vergonzosa longitud rozando por doquier detrás de mí mientras bajo por la quinta avenida, su lustre peculiar resplandeciendo en las vitrinas. Como después de muchas cervezas, regresaría pesada a mi cama su extrañeza entre mis piernas. Pero cuando el sol sale, el estiramiento nítido, vértebras estéticas, como podría, como podría flexionar su peso cuidado, elegante. Mira mi nuevo equilibrio, con qué gracia subo por las escaleras, tambaleándome en una pierna, mi trasero listo para caer. O cómo le hago señas a mi amada, ondeo cariñosamente en el aire, subo mi pelaje para hacerle cosquillas en la boca, arrebatarle una migaja de los labios. En un callejón a medianoche, mostrándole veloz mi blanca extremidad cual navaja automática, correríamos por la maleza. Si tuviese una cola, sería luminosa y prolongada como cometa, que traza la noche estrellada con una elipsis rota. De niña, recuerdo la pequeña burbuja verde dentro del nivelador del carpintero, como se movía veloz de un extremo al otro y qué bien se sentía montar el caballete en la parte de atrás del cobertizo, mitad marimacho, mitad centauro, como me aferraba a un dos por cuatro con los huesos de mis muslos y era parte de mí. Un nido de avispas subió de entre las astillas y, olvidando cómo moverme, cómo llorar, cómo correr, Permití que picaran y picaran y picaran once, veje, once veces, dejando la hinchazón en mis brazos, cuello, piernas, pies y hombros. Oh Señor de las partes, oh santa herramienta mudada, cuando surja de estos huesos adoloridos, mira lo que has tomado, lo que me has dejado. Gracias. Uh I'm gonna read a poem um, next that's about a dike bar in outer space. And I was talking to Jorge in the, in the and I said, ¿Cómo se dice Jorge? This is like um, el, el bar de las bolleras en el espacio. <laughs> There you go. Um, this is based on a dream I had. It's called In the Dream. In the Dream. I was alone in a dike bar we'd traversed before. Or maybe it was, in a way, all our dives, merging together suddenly as one intergalactic composite, one glitter-spritzed black hole, one Q-stick burnished down to a soft blue nub. Picture an open cluster of stars managing to forever stabilize in space without a landlord scheming to shut the place down. Anyways, I was searching for someone there whom we hadn't seen in years, in what could have been sisters, babes, the Lex, the Pint, the Palms, or the E-Room. But the room had no end and no ceiling. Though I could see all of our friends or exes with elbows up or fingers interlocked on tabletops zinging with boomerangs. Maybe the tables were spinning too, I can't be sure. But just as a trap that trips before hammering a mouse is not humane, the dream changed or the alarm 
that I carry in my breast pocket in my waking life was sounding. Because in the dream, three people on bar stools who were straight or closeted, but more importantly, angry, turned. And the room dwindled like a sweater full of moths eating holes through wool. Or they were humans, sure, but not here to love. With jawlines set to throw epithets like darts that might stick or nick or flutter past as erratically as they were fired. You could say their hostility was a swirl, nebulous as gas and dust, diffuse as the stress a body meticulously stores. Like how when I was shoved in grade school on the blacktop in my boy jeans, the teacher asked me if I had a strawberry because the wound was fresh as jam, glistening like pulp does after the skin of a fruit is peeled back clean with a knife. I was in the dream as open to the elements, yet I fired back, and I didn't care who eyed me like warped metal to be pounded square. I said, do you realize where you are. And with one finger, I called our family forth. And out of the strobe lights, they came. So I'm going to read a poem about uh, friendship, because that's the theme of this festival. And, um, and well, and, and the, the poem is called Gay Marriage Poem. I, I thought I was going to write a poem. Uh, uh, thinking about how my ambiguous feelings about marriage, and then, and then as poems do, it became about something else. Um, so this is called Gay Marriage Poem. Uh, I think that's all you need to know. Um, gay Marriage Poem. We could promise to elope, like my grandmother did, if a football team won on homecoming night. We could be good queers, an oxymoron we never longed for, we could become wedlocked as the suffix was once intended, lyco, common Teutonic for play, not lock, old English for a cave, an enclosure. Instead of a suit, I could wear my t-shirt that avows, support your right to arm bears. <laughs> or we could wed in bear suits, just as I saw people do one summer in San Francisco standing amid a grassy median during rush hour. They were so personally, anonymously political, blocking the ocean breeze in acrylic fur. Forget such solemnities. I want to run through streets, shouting up to all my beloved's windows. Friends, in sickness and in health, I refuse to forsake you. On Charlotte Street, home, Euclid, Decatur, Union, Straubs, Rebecca, Bennett Ave, 38th, Woolslayer Way. In the only wedding I was a part of, I was the flower girl who held up the ceremony, kneeling to drop equal dividends of petals beside every pew, refusing to leave anyone out. Let us speak without occasion of relations of our choosing tied intricately as the warps and wefts amid mats of moss, without competing for sunlight. Our hairy caps are forever lodging in spaces that myopic travelers can't see. Of such love's unwrit 
at the boundary layer between earth and air, I feel most clear. I'm going to read a, a newer one. Um, but I, I, re I realized that the last couple poems I'm going to read are, they're haunted by some ghosts. And ghosts are friends, too. So, <laughs> so this, I think, is continuing in the theme of those that we feel like we're in conversation with. Um, and this is called The Lone Palm. And it's also based on a dream. Years ago, I had a dream in which my students taunted me. We know who you like. And though I had feared, they would say, girls. They sang back, ghosts. Ghosts. We know how you feel about ghosts. When one of my spirits took me out for fun, I wanted to change together, my chin lifting out of a cave of shoulders as if I'd beheld the horizon line dedicated to slipping away, a passaggio where we might zither as cicadas do, abandoning our exoskeletons in exchange for the shapes of sounds. You were hardly there. I was mostly alone, remember? The way my shirt drifted up, the closer I leaned in, exposing the first few rungs of my spine, showing the solid band of my briefs, the slight shifting of absence and material made my trunk real. Outside, a lone palm on the sidewalk lifted in the breeze. Inside, the walls were all mirrors. Um, well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna close by just reading a, a, a little bit of uh, the poem that opens my book and it's called Dappled Things. And it's a, and it's a poem that's, uh, that's me talking back to Hopkins, my other, my other ghost. And, I, and I, um, I call him Hop in it, gentle Hop, and it's not just because I'm being precocious. I did read that that was a nickname that his Jesuit peers gave him. Um, so I'll just read the, the, the opening sections. Um, and this is my riff on Pied Beauty. Dappled things. Thank you, day, for dappled things, for ambrosia beetles streaking skylines inside a maple, for pansies speckled as a painter's sleeve, for russet-crusted sidewalks of lichen, airy springs of fiery structured fringe, for pink corpuscles making midges soon to burst out the undersides of leaves. Thank you for all that still somehow counter, original, spare, and strange, for the brightening swell of a honeybee's sting, for the alien markings on my girlfriend's cheek and how they form a perfect triangle. Thank you for the risen stars on the skin of an apple, which I slice into fine, thin crescents, for dapple is a word derived from apple, an apple once meant any fruit at all born from a tree, lemon, fig, persimmon. Thank you, road apple, finger apple, earth apple, for all that apple was before apple acquired a stigma for being forbidden, marked, dappled, shadowed, grappling, stamped, juice, controlled, smudging of what twinkles unthinkably. And because I'm minion this morning to gay old music, thanks, gentle hop for this thisness, for teaching attention, how to mark 
hard word bodies with stress, acute glyphs, blue scores, for reckoning the risks in discipline's rod between sheets of loose-leafed linen. You knew few might hear your coded address. Do I look hard enough to receive? I'm not moved by God, but I am moved by this, to experience the largesse. What you look hard at seems to look hard at you. Oh, to be marked reciprocally, yes, please, across, above, below, and with. You've been listening to Poetry Spoken Here. I'm Charlie Rossiter, inviting you to join us again next time to let poetry speak to you. Music for today's program was written and performed by Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And remember, Poetry Spoken Here is more than a podcast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash poetryspokenhere. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash poetryspokenhere. For more about today's show and other Poetry Spoken Here podcasts, as well as our blog, just visit our website, poetryspokenhere.com. If you'd like to submit suggestions of poets or topics for future podcasts, you can send to our email address, poetryspokenhere at gmail.com.